0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to
1: the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam.
0: Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm here with Matt Verderam as always huge, earth-shattering, breaking news in the Chiefs' kingdom today. The Chiefs have released former number one overall pick Eric Fisher and future Hall of Famer Mitchell Schwartz on the right side. Big, big news. Everybody's talking about it on Twitter. A lot of good information out there. A lot of bad information out there. A lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. Let's let's set the record straight, and there's nobody better to do that for you than our own Matt verderam Matt, This move clears $18 in cap for the Chiefs. Did you see this coming? What are your initial reactions?
1: I'd be lying if I said I saw it coming, although about a month ago, two weeks ago maybe, I thought they would cut Fisher for sure. And then Brett Veach came out and said, well, we think he's going to be back by mid-August. So that made me kind of stop and say, well, I think they're insane to think that. We talked about that in the podcast, and I said it at the time. I thought it was nuts. They – they, they are relying on a guy who's 300 pounds off an Achilles tear to be back in seven months. I wonder if they had some second thoughts about that or if maybe the training staff even said, Brett, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. Like that's, that's a, you know, potentially wishful thinking. Now I'm not a doctor. Maybe he is back in that time frame. I'd be very surprised. Obviously now, as far as the chiefs are concerned, it doesn't matter. Eric Fisher is gone. They saved $12 million. Um, So I'm I'm not – taking Veach's press conference comment aside, I'm not shocked at all. Eric Fisher was going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. He's coming off a major injury. And by the way, he was coming off of a year prior to that where he was hurt for more than half the year. So I think if you're the Chiefs, like you start really worrying, Like, is this the beginning of the end for Eric Fisher? As far as Mitchell Schwartz is concerned, I, I've got to be a little careful with this um, because, in full disclosure, I mean, I am, I am friends with with his brother Jeff, who I did sack in the box with, and and, and we have a just a, a friendly relationship. Um, I'm not surprised in the sense that I don't I don't know if Mitch is going to retire or not. I think it's an option, and I think. With Fisher, I think the Chiefs cut him strictly because I don't think they felt like he could realistically contribute for a large chunk of this year. With Schwartz, yeah, coming off the back injury at 32, scary as well. He was such an iron man before that. I never missed a game in his career. But I do think there might have been an element of, does Mitch want to play? Is he, is he really, you know, is is this something that we want to do? Do we want to go down this road? So. I'm ultimately not surprised. I'm not. And I am, I am surprised at how many people are like shocked that the Chiefs did this. And I think, I think frankly, it kind of shows sometimes in the media that, yeah, you might, you might work in the NFL, but you don't really cover it because they're both going to be free agents on the wrong side of 30. The Chiefs needed to really revamp this line. I actually think it's the right move. I really do. It's painful. It's a little scary. But I think overall, I think it's the right thing that the Chiefs are doing, trying to get younger, um, getting a more flexible, maybe less injury-prone line. I think it, I think it could pay off in the long haul.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was just as surprised as you were. I after Veach's comments, I thought, okay, and we talked about it on the podcast. Maybe they're going to try to take a, you know, a, a safer approach here. Not that they're going to put all their eggs in in these guys' baskets, but they think they can get them back. They, they don't want to go with, like, just all young guys are going to try to mix it up with veterans for a year, right? Maybe extend them. I think we always knew that either, like, Fisher was going to somehow get extended or rework the contract, or he was gone. I think he's such a huge cap hit. We knew that that was coming. Mitch was a question mark. Um, but, yeah, you're seeing a lot on Twitter of people saying, like, you know, especially fans from other teams who don't understand what's going on, so the, the narrative that they know in their head is, Chiefs offensive line had problems in the Super Bowl. Now they're cutting these two tackles who we know to be good. Right. What are they doing? Patrick Mahomes must be freaking out. And that's just like, they just don't know what the hell they're talking about, frankly. And and some Chiefs fans don't really understand the cap implications. We look, we don't blame you for that. Like this isn't your job. You're a fan of the team. It, the least that's interesting part of that's, that's, that's right. Yeah. The least interesting part of being a fan is sitting there and examining the salary cap and trying to figure out, you know, what your team could do. You just want to see them win football games. Um, I think that it is. It's an exciting move, right? Because it's it's Brett Veach is saying, "All right, I'm not taking half measures here. I'm not to your point. These guys are over thirty. They now both have injury issues, serious injury issues. I've got a young quarterback. He's not even in his prime yet, right? He's probably going to get better, and I need to make sure I keep him upright. And I." And 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 I'm paying them half a billion dollars, so I got to get young and I got to get cheap at the same time. And I think Brett Veach is taking a, he's going for it, man. I mean,
1: I'll put it this way, um, and that this isn't always going to work out. Okay, I'm not I'm not saying it's a foolproof plan. They got to the AFC Championship game in 2018, basically without a defense. They got all the way there. If they win the coin toss. They probably end up winning the Super Bowl that year, though they don't win the coin toss. They could have very easily just said, you know what? We're going to come back with the same group, make an upgrade here, change there. We're going to re- we're going to keep Justin Houston. We're going to keep D Ford. We're going to keep Steven Nelson. All guys who got big contracts elsewhere. Like Kansas City could have done that. They could have just kept those players. Brett Veach completely. Rebuilt that defense. They went out and traded for Frank Clark. And people forget this. A lot of people killed the Chiefs at the time for giving up the picks they gave up for Frank Clark. Okay. Now you could argue, was it worth it or was it not? I'd argue, look, Frank Clark in the regular season at times has been underwhelming, but come playoff time, he's, he's helped them win the Super Bowl. He's helped them get to another one. I think the chief, I'll tell you right now, he's a better D Ford's been. The Chiefs would do that again 10 times out of 10. Justin Houston's gone on and he's played well. He's played well. But the, by, by moving him, that allowed them to sign Tyron Matthew. It gave them the financial flexibility. I don't think anybody's complaining about that, right? The Chiefs went out and completely rebuilt. I mean, they went from a 3-4 to a 4-3. They brought in Spagnuolo. They brought, I mean, there are not a lot of teams that, that go to an AFC or an AFC title game that completely rip apart one side of the ball. Well, the Chiefs did. And it ended up winning them a Super Bowl. I think we can all sit here and agree that if they didn't do that, they would not have won the Super Bowl. Now, this offensive line, it's a teardown. My understanding is it's not likely that Austin Ryder gets re-signed, that he's probably going to hit the market, and then maybe at that point, look, if the market dictates that he he can come back on a, on a cheap deal, it's possible, but my understanding is it's very likely at least hits free agency. Um you look at their offensive line now with Fisher and Schwartz getting cut, what are the only certainties you have? DuVernay Tardis coming back, and Lucas Niang's going to get a real good shot here to start. That's pretty much it. But I got to tell you, knowing the way Veach is operated and kind of understanding that organization and the inner workings of it, I can tell you one thing. They are not going to sit there and try to patchwork this. In fact, I'd argue keeping Fisher and Schwartz would have been patchworking it. They are Brett beach is a big game Hunter. They are going to go out and take big swings. Now, is that a first round pick? Is that free agency? I I think it could be both honestly, but I, I they are not going to sit there and band-aid this thing. They're going to spend money. And to do that, they had to move these guys off the roster and off the cap sheet. It it is, it is a big jolt, but I think I understand why they're doing it. And I think it sets up for them being aggressive in rebuilding this line with younger players and maybe like you say, even some guys who are draft picks or cheaper.
0: Absolutely. I sent you a note in the Slack, by the way, just take a look at that real quick. Um, And I'll continue on. That's just a little business, everybody pay no mind. Um, So I think that, I I think it's important to mention here too, that this move is not, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the play of Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, right? It's these these two when they're on the field are you know Fisher is, is 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 very good tackle and and Schwartz is all world when he's when he's healthy and on the field. Um, the Chiefs did not lose the Super Bowl because Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz didn't play well. They lost the Super Bowl because they weren't there. It was a big part of the problem here and. Um, so, you know, these guys, if they can get healthy, uh, if they do want to come back, uh, if Mitch wants to come back and play, Eric Fisher, you know, he's still got probably a couple of years left if he can get healthy. You know, they'll be able to find homes if, if they're healthy and they can get on the field. But you're, I think if you're looking at this from from Brett Veach's point of view, which, which you mentioned, all right, man, like, look, I got these guys. I, I I can't rely on their availability. I know I can rely on their play, but I can't rely on their availability right now. And the fact that they are good players and that they are veterans even if you want to restructure a deal or bring them back they're just going to command a little bit more money right and he's got he has to he has to do this cap kung fu over the next 10 years to pay patrick mahomes to to surround him by big stars and he has to draft well bring in good players and that's that's part of this i don't get don't let it get lost in the shuffle that like you know they're getting cut because they're not good players. That's that's not why they're not on the roster anymore.
1: No, they're they're you're right. They're getting cut because Mitchell Schwartz is 32 years old, coming off a back injury, and and maybe maybe not going to play next year. And then Eric Fisher is getting cut because he's 30 years old, coming off a torn Achilles tendon. It, that, that's why they're getting cut. And the Chiefs are never going to extend either one of these guys. I don't, I don't think Schwartz, even if he were to come back, I don't think he would have played past his contract. And Fisher. I don't know if the Chiefs would have had the money to resign them. So if you're the Chiefs, like you might as well move on now. Yep. They're not dumb. Like, this is an organization. I get it. Everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth because of the Super Bowl. Guys, they they've gotten to the Super Bowl the last two years and won one of them. They they know what they're doing. They're one of the best organizations in all professional sports. Like, this this is not a team that's just gonna trot out you, me, and your mother to be, you know, the, the left side of the line. They're not going to do that. It, I'd argue that this is the first step in what is going to be a plan. And it, if your plan involves signing certain free agents, okay, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get those guys because other teams are going to want those players as well. But keep in mind, I say this all the time. I've said this on the podcast before. Free agency starts technically on Wednesday, although Monday is the tampering period, which is really when it starts in public. Free agency started two months ago. When yeah. these teams have been talking to these agents and finding out, hey, would your guy have interest in coming here? What would be the deal you're looking for? That, those conversations have been had. If you don't think those conversations have been had, you're crazy. I can tell you from personal experience, I've been there in past years, not this year, obviously, with COVID, in past years. Where those conversations are ha- happening right in front of you at the bar, at the Marriott in Indianapolis. I mean, it, it's not exactly a secret. Now, this year, they're just happening over phone calls and Zoom. That's it. They're happening. The Chiefs are going to have their options, and I want to lay out a few. So if you're talking about free agency, and I'm not going to lay out most likely or least likely, or anything like that, but here's just some names of guys who are, who are quality players who are interesting guys to watch. Okay, so start out, the big name that everybody talks about is Trent Williams. He's got a chance to be a Hall of Fame left tackle. He's a great player. San Francisco 49ers, he's 33 years old, but he's still playing at an elite level, all right? So he's a guy that's out there. Then you get into Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers. He is a very good player, also in his 30s. So do the Chiefs want to go with a guy who's in his 30s? You could argue that's somewhat defeating the purpose, but again, just throwing out uh, a couple names. I think then you start getting into, all right, who else is there? Joe Thune is the best guard that's out there. Okay, so he's somebody um, that again, he would command good money. He's in his, in his mid-20s, um, very, very smart guy, wh- widely respected. He also, by the way, can play every position on the line, but he is mostly a guard. Um, you, and, and there have been other guards who have been cut recently. Kevin Zeitler of the Giants, a very, very good guard. Uh, he, he was a cap casualty, got released. Trey Turner of the Chargers might get released. Now, he's had some injury issues. That might scare you a little bit, um, but but he's a guy who, if he gets released, the she's might look at Gabe Jackson uh, of the Raiders, good good player, just got released. There are a lot, a lot of guys out there at center. Corey Lindsley is the big star attraction from the Packers. He's an all-pro level center coming off his rookie deal. Um, he's somebody that you'd look at. So, if you want to just talk about the offensive line now, obviously, look—you could you could get into a million guys who are you know mid-tier, lower tier, whatever. But those are those are some of of the big names. Riley Reef just got cut, although I don't think he's a fit for the Chiefs. He's thirty-three years old. Um, I'm just trying to think of anybody else in my head really quickly. Uh, Larry Walford is a three-time All-Pro, twenty-seven-year-old guard who's coming back from—he he opted out with COVID. I think he'd be a really interesting fit for them. Uh, but there's a lot. There's you know John Feliciano from the bills, Darrell Williams about, from the bills. Uh,
0: what Not about again. Russell Okun? He's 33 coming off a contract. This was in an article from, from Arrowhead addict writer, Jordan Mannix suggested a, a potential he, move on. Okung. He's
1: interesting. The, the problem with him is the same problem that I, I mentioned with a few other guys. He gets hurt. You just hurt a lot. Um, yeah. you know, but there are guys, I mean, look, like David Andrews, Taylor Harris. I mean, these are centers. Um, you know, that are, that are, you know, maybe bridge guys. And then, and then I, I'm not going to go through all their names, but there are 10 offensive linemen who are top 50 picks this year. I mean, there are, and of all, I mean, tons of tackles. There are, you, you could easily get a starting guard, starting center in the, in the third round this year. I'd be really good. Like some years, guys, it would be top 40 picks. You could get them at 75 or 80. Um, It's a loaded class on the offensive line. Every scout, every GM I've asked about this is, look, receiver, corner, quarterback, offensive line. That's where the depth is in this draft. So the Chiefs are actually pretty well set up in that regard.
0: I want to I want to talk a little bit more about some of the offensive line options, but there's a name out there that's floating around everybody on uh, on everybody, but a lot of people on Twitter are talking about it. I don't think it's likely, but because it's a name that is is out there as a potential trade target, I think we should discuss it for folks so you can kind of set the table. And that's Orlando Brown being on the on the trade block from the Ravens. I personally think the Ravens would be out of their minds to trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs, but Who knows? Maybe if it's the right trade package, what's your feel on that? And do you think it makes sense?
1: Uh, My feel is I would be very surprised. I don't have any inside information on that, but I I think it's look, he's on a rookie deal that he's going to get paid here coming up probably next year. The Ravens' uh, GM Eric DeCosta recently came out a few days ago on a press conference, and said, "Look, he understands he's under contract here. I, you know whether or not he wants to play left tackle doesn't really matter to us. He's under he's under contract. I do not think the Ravens are looking to trade him. And furthermore, trading him to Kansas City is the football equivalent of suicide. I it's I, crazy. I just can't. I mean, there's. I, come on now. If you if the Chiefs are in the other conference, maybe. If you're the Ravens, you're trying to beat the Chiefs. You're not trying to trade them." one of your five best players at a position they need for the Chiefs. Like I, I think it's far more likely, and this is a little bit of dark throwing. I'll be the first to admit that. I think it's far more likely the Chiefs go into free agency now with a little bit of cap space. They're still $3 million over the cap after cutting Fisher and Schwartz. My expectation is they will convert some money. They'll restructure some contracts with Mahomes, maybe even Jones or Clark or, or Kelsey. Um, could see an extension of Tyron Matthew. I think the Chiefs probably are going to walk in a free agency, um, maybe not with $20 million at the second free agency opens, but like knowing that if they want to, they can open it up easily at any time. I do not think the Chiefs are going to be restricted with their cap space. Kansas City is going to have cap space um, and, 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 and can create it very quickly and repeatedly if they need to. I think the reality is I, I look at the Chiefs, and I know for a fact that you know, talking to people around the team, they believe the offensive line is very deep. Okay, They, they are one of these teams that shares the opinion that the, the class is very deep there. Uh, and, and Brett Beach talked about that openly at his press conference, at the, you know, whatever it was, 10, 14 days ago. I think Kansas City will be active in free agency at edge rusher. I think that's something to keep a real close eye on. I think they will look for a second-tier receiver. I do not think they're going to go out and spend major, major money on a receiver. I think, but they will be active in looking for one. Although, again, they'll have their options there in the draft as well. Um, and then offensive line, I think it's going to be a combination of things. I, I I would be a little surprised if the Chiefs went out and spent big on one of these tackles in their 30s. I think it, it, I think the Chiefs are more apt to say, look, we'll we'll spend bigger on a guy who's maybe younger, a guy like a, like a Lindsley or a Thune. Um, and again, that is a little bit of dart run. I could be wrong with that. They could shock us and spend seventy million dollars on Trent Williams, but I, I think that's a little bit of a reach. Just considering his age, the money they have, how they how they have to kind of fill multiple holes on the line. But Brett Veach has gone out and signed big guys in the past. That's kind of what his M O is. He does not work on the edges. Red Beach goes out and gets the guy. Whoever he thinks that person is, that's what he does. We'll, we'll wait and see, but pre-agency in essence starts in about 100 hours from this recording.
0: I think one thing that it, you don't want to do with your offensive line is have a lot of unknowns, right? That's part of the reason why think like, the injury stuff. Do, do you see a situation where the Chiefs, we know that Lucas Nyang will be coming back and that they really like him and he could be a potential tackle prospect. But do you see the Chiefs going with, okay, we're gonna draft, you know, we're gonna put Nyang on the left or right side, we're gonna draft a tackle, we're gonna draft a couple interior guys, and then going out there with like a three rookies on their offensive line? Is that something that you see as a realistic possibility? Or is Andy Reid the kind of guy that's like, look, man, I don't want a bunch of like inexperienced guys coming in, even if they are talented, protecting my quarterback?
1: So That's a really interesting thought, and I I think it's a smart one. Look, Niang, I expect to start next year. You know, he was a guy who they had a second-round grade on. They took him in the third round. He opted out because of COVID last year. So, essentially, he comes in as a rookie. His contract, it's it's just like if he was drafted this year. Um, I believe that he's the starting right tackle. Um, He's the in-house option. And he played 44 games at TCU over three years. He never allowed a sack. He took, and, and this stat is from Nate Taylor over the athletic. He took two holding penalties his entire career at TCU. When Chase Young was coming out of college, he was asked who's the best, who's the best pass protector you ever faced in college. You said, Lucas Niang. I believe that Niang who was coming off of a torn hip labrum his last year at TCU cut his year short. I think if he was healthy, it would have been a first round pick. Um, so, I believe that he and DuVernay Tordif are going to be the right side of the line. The left side in the center is where it gets interesting. And, and I think, you know, look, two of those guys might be veteran guys. I could see that being the case. Like I, I think if you're the chiefs, you'd like to have a veteran left tackle, which I know goes a little counter what I said about spending crazy money on Trent Williams and, or, or somebody of that ilk, but I, I could see the chiefs saying to themselves, look, we like to get a veteran at tackle, maybe sign a veteran at center, and then the UK will have a rookie guard and we'll essentially play two rookies up front. Or they could say, hey, we're willing to go more with a rookie laden line, but we're going to re-sign Remmers. We're going to bring back Coletio Semley. We're going to have guys back there that if if it doesn't look like it's going well, we can pivot quickly in training camp. So – you know, now, the, uh, the, of course, the, the fear there is Assembly is coming off of dual patella tears, and, you know, he's, he's a guy who's got a lot of injuries. I think the Chiefs are smart to take, the, to take the, the scarier plunge and just say, look, we are going to rebuild this, and we're going to use youth, and we're going to take our chances. Because, look, the other side of that is, yes, it's scary to have rookies, but if, if they're good, you now have a really good young offensive line for years. Right. Right, and you now you can load up at other positions. Now you can say, okay, look, if like let's just say the Chiefs start Yang and he's good, and they draft the left tackle and he's good. Now you can go. This is fantastic. We've got two young tackles who are going to be cheap for four years. We can we can spend now on a big time corner. We can spend on that big time pass rusher because you know you have those tackles locked in. So I actually, if I'm the Chiefs, if it were if it were me. I would draft a left tackle, and I would go in with rookie left tackle, rookie right tackle. I would try to find a center who's a little bit of a veteran because I do think you want a guy who's making protection calls in there who's a vet. And I wouldn't and I would mind seeing them sign the guard. I, w- I would go veterans on the inside, tackles on the out, and I get that scary, but if you hit on that, you are set up ridiculously well despite all the big contracts I already have.
0: Let's talk about the salary cap stuff a little bit, Uh, and then we can also talk about the draft because the Chiefs to get awarded some compensatory picks that we can go over. But So you reported this, by the way, and hats off to you, that that the cap was going to be, I think it was on March 3rd, the cap was going to be, I think you you had it between 182 and 184. Is that correct? Was your Uh, range?
1: 180 and 183.
0: (laughs) 180 and 183. Came in uh, yesterday officially at 182.5. That's down 8% from last year. Now, teams knew that this was a possibility was likely going to happen with COVID and everything, that the cap would come down a little bit. Um, As somebody who's tapped in, what impact does this new salary cap have on the league? And um, will we see more sort of like, you know the big guys are going to get their money, right? Like somebody's going to give Kenny Galladay a big contract. But some of oh, these yeah. other guys, right, may, maybe they ca- people can't afford to give them big contracts, and maybe they wait, and maybe they – will we see more hired guns this year on one-year deals?
1: No question. Um, no question. And so everyone expected once COVID hit full force, Okay, everyone thought the cap's going to go down. Now, how far will it go down, nobody knew. But I think most people that I talk to in the league, agents, GMs, personnel men, they, they felt the cap would be between 180 and 185. So this, this is smack dab in the middle. I mean, th- I don't think this comes as a surprise. Any GM who's shocked by this is, is probably a GM who, who does not have a lot of job security or at least should not. The Chiefs were not surprised by this. Um, most teams weren't. Now, where it does matter is when you get to free agency here. And the Chiefs now with these moves actually kind of flip positions because before before this morning they were twenty million over the cap. If they restructure Mahomes' deal, they save seventeen million. All right, they can they can do a lot. Sorry, I want
0: to I want to interrupt you there. Can can you explain to to everybody who may not be familiar with the cap stuff when you say restructure Patrick's deal? You 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 mean? converting his base salary into a a bonus, right? And how does that work and how does that make things better? So
1: there's a lot of ways you can do it, but essentially what they would do with him, he has really big roster bonuses and all roster bonuses is essentially what it sounds like. If you're on the roster, you get a bonus. I don't have his contract number right in front of me, but his his roster bonus is astronomical. It's like 20 some odd million dollars, okay? What you can do is you can take that money and you can say, okay, we're going to turn... That money, this is a little convoluted, but essentially you can take the money and you can say now it's going to be part of his base salary. And then once it's technically part of his base, then you can say, right, now we're going to turn it in to a signing bonus. We're going to spread that out over as many as, many as five years. And when you spread that money out, you're lessening your cap hit. And you know, you're adding to future cap hits, but you're lessening the current one. I'm not going to go into all the intricacies, A, because I'm not smart enough to explain them because I barely understand them and B, because there's so many different ways you can do it, but you're not adding years or, or, or getting, you know, or, or taking years off. It's nothing like that. You're just essentially moving money down the road is the easiest way I can put it. You're, you're taking money from now and you're moving money down the line. And the richer your owner is, the easier it is to do it. Because when you put money, when you start guaranteeing money, which you're doing when you restructure, okay, you're, you're guaranteeing future money. You have to put that money into escrow. And so your owner has to have enough liquid money and be willing to do it. Now, the Chiefs have no problem with that because Clark Hunt is one of the richer owners in the NFL. But a team like the Raiders without, with, excuse me, with Mark Davis, that's a harder thing for them. Um, so the, the Chiefs can restructure Mahomes' deal, again, to essentially take his, his money and push it into future years. They can save seventeen million. They can do that with a variety of contracts. By the way, that they have right now. They can do it with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, but Mahomes is the biggest bang for their buck.
0: And that's so, and that's good for the player, right? Because when you convert it into that bonus, that money's guaranteed. Now yes, they're going to they're going to get it. not to cut you, and, and 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 that's what the dead money stuff is like. When somebody yes. like wait, they, the Chiefs just finished paying off Eric Berry, right? Correct, and and he had Correct. he was still against the cap, and so that's what happened. So there's a risk to it. But it does open up money now. And with somebody like Mahomes, as opposed to somebody like Eric Berry, you, you like he, he's gonna be here. So Yeah, the Chiefs you know, don't care. He he's, right,
1: he's gonna okay. be there for the whole life of the contract and then some. so that that's all that is. And so look here, I'll just give a scenario. The Chiefs are three million over the cap. Let's say tomorrow Brett Beach wakes up and he restructures Mahomes. Now they're 14 million under. Okay. And then they extend Tyron Matthew. And that, that's a little bit of guesswork because it depends what the contract would be. But let's say that, that moves money down the road, which it certainly would. It's just a question of how much. Those two moves along could get the Chiefs to where they have $25 million in cap space. Well, if Kansas City has $25 million in cap space, that's a, that's a huge change, obviously, from being $20 million over when we all woke up this morning. Um, you know, Right now, for an example... There are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams with twenty-five million dollars in cap space. So the Chiefs could very, very rapidly be a, a big player in free agency if they want to be. Because next year's cap, with the new with the new CBA and and the new uh, TV deal, that, that's going to explode. I think most people think that the cap next year will be well over two hundred million dollars, and if it is. Kansas city's in phenomenal shape. Kansas city would have a ton of money to go out and spend. And so I think overall for the chiefs, um, they're not in a bad spot now. Financially, Kansas city actually has a lot of flexibility to do what they need to do. Um, And again, like I I think this is where it gets interesting with the chiefs. Now, does does Veach, is he a little bit judicious and say, well, look, we, we feel like the draft is really strong at offensive line. Um, I, I I know that's a, a position that that they do like in the draft. Like maybe they look at this and say, hey, we're willing to take a chance. Or maybe Veech says, you know what, we cut Fisher and Schwartz not because of their ages, but because of the injuries, and we'll go out and sign Trent Williams and we'll pay him sixty million over four years. I mean, maybe they do that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they maybe they go for it, or maybe they sign Alejandro Villanueva with you know a two year twenty four million dollar deal or something like that. That's possible. All options are on the table. You'd be a fool to say they're not. I, I think it's just a question of how do the Chiefs want to allocate their money, how many years do they want to be in some of these guys, and how willing are they to roll the dice? I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes is the franchise. But you've got to protect him. So whatever they think the best option is is what they have to do, and I'm sure it's what they will do.
0: And so I think we could, uh, to your point, we'll see some guys maybe that – you know, like we said, a guy like Kenny Galladay, like he's going to get he's going to get paid um, because of his age and his skill level. But there may be some people who are like looking at that TV money that's going to be coming that are looking at that raised salary cap. And like they're getting maybe like a good deal, but not a deal. Like what is there as far as a lore with like just for the receiver position, for example, maybe you're a guy who's like, a, you know, you're like a mid tier free agent. You're still young. You're in your mid 20s. You're hitting the market this year, and maybe you're like, you know what, man? Maybe I should go to Kansas City for a year. Get a nice little paycheck for one year. Play with Patrick Mahomes. Sign a one-year deal. Bet on myself, and then next year, I'm going to hit the market, and I'm going to be a top-tier free agent, and all the contracts are going to be higher. Is that something that we could see benefiting the Chiefs, particularly on the offensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, yes. I I think – with free agency, and you actually asked me this, and we got, I went off on a different side of the, the topic, but I think what you're going to see in free agency, stars are going to get paid because they always get paid. I've talked to a, a litany of agents on this, probably a dozen at this point, if not even more. And everyone agrees stars are going to get paid. The second tier guys are going to take a bath because there's just no money. There's no money out there. And now the Chiefs, being one of the bigger players in free agency, if they want to be, are going to have the ability to go, hey, we'll give you a one-year deal we'll sweeten the pot for you. And then next year you can hit the market. And the nice thing for the chiefs is if, if let's just say they sign, I don't know, AJ green on a one-year deal. You know, I, I think AJ green's days are behind him. but it, it, it did that. And AJ green shocked everybody and had 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns, Just had a, a fountain of youth type of year and a great year. Now that Chiefs have the it, control of his rights. Like if they want to, you know, if they want to tag somebody now that I don't think they'd be tagging AJ green. But the point is, you sign a one-year deal, you get the right to be able to do that with any player. Like I'll, I'll give actually, I'll give a much better example. Bud Dupree. Some people you talk to in the league think he's still going to get you know four and sixty. Other people think he's going to have to prove that he's healthy on a one-year deal. Let's say the Chiefs of the team they bring him in one year, ten million dollars, and Bud Dupree has an All-Pro type year. The, the kind of year he's having last year before he tore his ACL. That's the kind of guy that Chiefs would go, well, we'll franchise him. Like, well, we'll just keep him, you know. I think that is where it is advantageous to be able to have those one-year deals. And for receivers, as you mentioned, especially Look, the receivers are really interesting to watch. I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. It's a loaded draft class at receiver. Again, another class. It, my understanding is Kansas city among many other teams believe it's a very deep class there. It's also the deepest free agency pool as well by a position. Okay. You were talking about yet. Yeah, Kenny Galladay is the, is the big prize. I, I would be, Kind of surprised the Chiefs went that big. There's Juju Smith Schuster. There's Corey Davis. There's Marvin Jones. There's Will Fuller. Uh, there, there's, again, AJ Green, Larry Fitzgerald, T.Y. Hilton, some of the older guys. I think Fitzgerald's not going anywhere. Hilton could. Um, there, Nelson Aguilar is another guy who's out there. Obviously, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson. The list goes on and on. And I mean, there are, I'm sure I'm just even forgetting a few guys. Josh Reynolds or the Rams, another guy. There's so many receivers. Emmanuel Sanders just got cut by the Saints. There's so many options. that You're going to have a few guys like a Galladay, maybe a few others get signed quickly, but then there's going to be a glut of receivers with teams knowing that the rookie class is really good, knowing they could get a cheap guy for three or four years. There are going to be guys absolutely who are going to be, their agents are going to be calling the Chiefs, going, hey, look, my guys are going to have a one-year deal at this point. We'd love it if he'd play with Patrick Mahomes. Because it's not just the Mahomes factor. If you're a receiver and you go there, okay, you're never seeing the number one corner on the other team. Ever. Right. Ever. You're not going to be double teamed. You're not going to, you're not going to be the focal point. Like let's say they sign Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is a really good player. Marvin Jones is going to get third billing by the defense. No, no team is going to go, you know what, we got to stop Marvin Jones. They're not. As good as he is, nobody's going to worry about Marvin Jones comparatively. And so if you're him, you're going, I'm never seeing double teams. I'm never seeing the number one corner. I'm going to be in prime time or a standalone late Sunday afternoon game three quarters of the season. I'm going to play deep in the playoffs, maybe even get to a win a Super Bowl. And I got Mahomes. I got Andy Reid.
0: Like Volume, insane volume in the offense. You're not playing yeah. for the Browns, right? Where they're going to be running the ball 30, 40 times.
1: It's crazy. If you could you could be the third option in the Chiefs' offense and have eight hundred yards and nine touchdowns and not even break a sweat. If you're if you're a receiver, to me, the Chiefs have the ultimate leverage once once the market dries up a little bit because everybody's going to want to go there. What receiver is going to turn that down? You know, I, I think it's I think it's a home run for the Chiefs. I, I and I do expect they will do that. I absolutely expect that'll be one of the things they do this offseason. All
0: right. Let's 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 jump ahead to the draft. Um, actually, let, let me take a break. We haven't taken a break. We had a lot to talk about. I'm going to get a quick break in. On the other side, let's talk about the draft and these compensatory picks. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. Draft talk. So the Chiefs got awarded their compensatory picks. For those who don't know teams get awarded compensatory picks, bonus picks basically from the, the back of the third round on for free agents that they lost. And it it depends on how much those free agents the the previous year and how much they signed for with other teams. So, you know, if, if for example, you know, Tyreek Hill was a free agent and he left the chiefs, the chiefs would get a, they would get a third round compensatory pick for Tyreek Hill because he would sign some huge deal somewhere else. Right. So, It's all competitive balance stuff. Now, uh, these these picks that the Chiefs got, they got a a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder. It was the 39th pick in the fourth round. That's number 144 overall. Not a great pick, but a decent pick. You can get a decent player there. Interior offensive linemen, backup running backs, those types of things, special teams players. And then the the fifth uh, round pick is the 37th pick in the round, And that's number 181 overall. Um, So this bolsters the Chiefs. They're coming in. They didn't have a a seventh round pick in this draft. So now what they're looking at is eight picks. They got the first rounder, 31, second rounder, third rounder, two fourth rounders, which will be close together because they'll be picking at the back end of the first round because they're good. Um, And they've got two fifth rounders now, same deal. And then a sixth round pick. How do you view these compensatory picks and do you view them more as, hey, let's let's load up on some depth in the middle of the draft or do you view them as trade chips for Brett Veach to package picks together to get more done in rounds one through three?
1: Yeah. First of all, either. Uh, just a real quick uh, minor correction. The Chiefs don't have a sixth round pick. They have a seventh. Oh, my um,
0: bad. I looked at the, some the, old info.
1: The Chiefs had traded the pick uh, to Tennessee, the sixth round pick. So they have – the Chiefs are sitting there – First, second, third, just straight up. And then, like you said, they have, they have now the compensatory as well as their regular picks in the fourth and the fifth. Um, and it's actually nice. In the fourth round, they draft 137 and 145. So they have two picks within nine spots. And then uh, in the fifth round, 176 and 182. So th- mm-hmm. they'll have a couple of spots there where they, they could make some moves in, in bulk. Um, which, let me tell you something, when you're covering the draft, uh, that's always nice. Because uh, then you can you can take a break in between. Um. So I, I think, you know, look, you could use it either way. You could use it either way. If, if you're Kansas City, if there's a guy that you like, you used to be able, or you, excuse me, you used to not to be able to, tra- or to trade compensatory picks. Those picks used to be untradeable. You couldn't move them, you couldn't do anything with them. You just had to use them where they were. Now you can trade them. So I think, look, they're always nice to have because they're more ammunition. Only 17 of the 32 teams in the league had them, and only nine of, I believe there were, I believe there were 37 compensatory picks handed out this year and only nine of them to AFC teams. So not, not bad for Kansas City. Um, I think they might use them to move up, move around the board. The Chiefs have always moved around. They've been under Veach. They've done a little bit of both, right? Like they've moved back. We've seen them do that. They moved back the year they drafted Chris Jones, um, and they've moved up. And they moved up when they drafted McCole Harden, I believe they moved up for him. Obviously with Mahomes, that Dorsey was the GM there, but beaches in the building. They moved way up. So I expect to the Chiefs will move around the draft. That's typically what they do. And I think those picks will be used to, to probably maneuver a little bit.
0: Especially perhaps maybe in the first round, right? If they've, got a, if they've got a quality prospect there that they think, hey, maybe we can get this guy at 20, 21, 22, 23, but we're, we're not going to be able to... He's probably going to be gone by the time he gets to us at 31. That might be the time to throw in a couple of fourth rounders or something and I'm going to get my Jimmy Johnson trade chart out uh, and, and move up to get him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if, 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 if that's a that's a good way of putting it. If you're sitting there at 31 and, and there's a guy – okay, so the, the Bills are a team that might look at free agency and, and the draft for offensive lineup, right? The Bills are actually in a lot of – Similar spots to Chiefs. You need some edge rush. You need an offensive line. Now the Bills draft 29th, I think. Um, so let's say you get to 27 or 28, and there's a guy that you really like. But you got some intel. that Maybe the Bills really like him too. That's a great spot to call up whoever and go, hey, you know, hey, guys, listen. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Move back three spots. We'll give you our fourth-round compensatory pick because we really want this guy. I did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think and that, that's why that's why you have those picks you can pull the trigger on that type of stuff look the more options you have in life the better those two picks give the chiefs a few more options
0: it's going to be a very exciting offseason one of the most exciting off seasons and drafts for the chiefs i think in a while because there are needs there now and we're going to watch them reload uh, i before we we get out of here two things. I watched a video, not to rehash the Super Bowl again, but I watched a video of um, former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith. He was on Get Up the morning after the Super Bowl, Get Up on ESPN with Mike Greenberg. And, you know, Greeny was just asking him, like, break things down. Like, what would you see out there? And it's all the things that you would expect. Alex was like, look, like, I mean, Pat's toe was hurting him. I, 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 I didn't see, even though Pat ran around a lot. Alex was talking about how you know I didn't see him doing some of those things he's able to do where he's just sort of like back pedals and and throws a dart you know and, and creates and helps and he talked about the offensive line issues but one thing he mentioned and and, and Mahomes himself has, has admitted this in his postgame comments. he said, you know I, I saw Pat double clutching a lot he was, he was still looking for the big play down the field and it just it just wasn't there they couldn't get him out of the couldn't get Tampa Bay out of the shell. And Mahomes said after the game, yeah, I've got to take what the defense gives me. He, he rightfully critiqued his own, his own game, even though not everything was his fault. And so I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this, Matt. What impact will the Super Bowl ha- loss have on Patrick Mahomes and the offense? And do you think it's going to make H- Mahomes and the offense better?
1: You know, it's funny. I actually thought about this this morning before they cut anybody. I took a walk, and I always do in the morning. I, I just happen to be thinking about that. And I, my biggest concern for the Chiefs going forward, I guess, in the, in the present moment now is the offensive line and figuring that out because that, that changed. But I think they will figure that out. It's how do they bounce back from that? Because they didn't just lose in that game. They got hammered, and they got embarrassed. They didn't score a touchdown. They were humiliated. You know, I think the enduring image of that Super Bowl for me is Antoine Winfield throwing up the peace sign at Tyreek Hill, who was just on the ground defeated. That picture says it all. And by the way, I have no problem with Antoine Winfield doing it because Hill does it to guys all the time. You're going to do it. you got to be able to take it. Um, How the Chiefs bounce back from that emotionally is my biggest question. I'm not worried about guys. I'm not worried about guys. Um like Mahomes and Kelsey and Matthew, they will have the right mindset because that's just who they are. It's what makes them who they are. But as a collective, do they lose a little bit of their swagger? Do they lose a little bit of that? Because, you know, because you you go through, you go through something that is from a football perspective, catastrophic, right? I, I think for Mahomes, as long as they can block, he'll be Mahomes. He'll come out and throw for 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns. and that. Look, in the end, if I had to guess, because of the leadership they have, see, this is where I think the Reeds, the Bienemis the Spagnolos, this is where they earn their money beyond the X's and O's. I don't think Bienemy will allow them to change who they are. And I don't think Reid allowed allow that to happen. Same with Steve Spagnuolo. But the emotional side of this, its look, teams that lose the Super Bowl the next year typically do not come back and play well. Now, teams that win the Super Bowl typically don't get back to the Super Bowl either. And the Chiefs just rolled and came right back. If you said to me, Mahomes, same guy, yeah, I think he probably is. Um, but I, I don't think this is the worst thing that they're turning over a little bit of this roster. Look, they ran it back last year. They had an unusually low amount of turnover, and it worked until it didn't. I think the Chiefs – look, this is largely going to be the same team. Anthony Sherman has retired. Okay, they're going to lose their tackles. Breeland probably walks. But a lot of this team, the core of this team is going to be here, but I don't think it's the worst thing adding some new blood. But I I am curious to see emotionally how does this team bounce back from what was the worst loss it's ever had under Andy Reid, and it's not by a close margin.
0: Do you think sometimes some of the games that stand out to me from last year that I really enjoyed watching the Chiefs' offense play were that it was the Houston game and the Buffalo game? The first one, the way that the Chiefs ran the football and and just moved down the field and ate up huge chunks of clock. Did, look, we know they're never they're always going to Mahomes is always going to be big game hunting. He's going to be taking big shots down the field. That's who he is. But we also know that when the Chiefs are able to run the ball and, when they, are, and they, when they do take the defense, what the defense gives them, they're pretty much unbeatable. There's just nothing you can do. Do you think that we see more of an emphasis on that? Just a little bit to be like, because I thought we started seeing it last year, right? Where it was like, they had some games where it was like, yeah, you want to you wanna play us this way? We can beat you that way. But I, we didn't see it consistently. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. So, I get what
1: you're saying. But I don't think they're ever going to play like that. Not consistently. Every once in a while, sure. Um, but not not consistently because that's just not who they are. Like They, they want to throw the ball. And I, I keep using the term, when I go back to the Super Bowl, earned arrogance. I think Kansas City in that game really felt like their yeah, offensive line is really beat up. They got a great front. Screw them. We're going to throw the ball anyway. We don't care, and we're going to go deep, and we're going to take our shots into hell with Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers basically in that game said, jam it up, you're not where We're going to come after you all night, and we're going to get to you. And they did it. The Chiefs' arrogance got to them in that game. They just felt like we can just run deep routes all game. I mean, go watch the film. Actually, please don't watch the film. Okay, I, I, I've done it for you. They ran deep routes all night. They never adjusted. They just felt like we have Mahomes. We're just going to throw the ball. We got yeah, and maybe if a couple balls don't bounce off hands, maybe it would have been <laughs> a different outcome. I doubt it. I don't think they would have held up in protection. But um, I think they'll do that running stuff in spots. But that's just not like. In the end, and I would use the Bills game as an example, right? The first time they played, they ran for like 245 yards. They played the Bills again. The Bills played the same defense, and the Chiefs barely ran the ball. Reed was like, no, I don't care. We're going to just throw short. Now, it worked both ways against Buffalo. The Chiefs just, just carved them up. Didn't matter. I think they should do that more often, but it's not who Andy is. And it's hard to complain. They almost never lose, but... Now, listen, this, this off season is going to boil down to one thing. They can win with their defense as it is. They can. I promise you, even with the, the lack of edge rush at times, because of the way Spagnola plays, they'll always blitz enough to get some pressure and do some things. But the, the way they block, that's it. And that's not just because of the Fisher and Schwartz releases, right? That. But the reality is they need to be able to block. If they fix this offensive line, and it's a good unit, I I would pick them to be the runaway favorite to win the Super Bowl. Because they were until their offensive line got beat to hell last year, and they still got there. But they need to fix the line, and Veach knows it. And they took a couple of big steps towards doing it today, even though right now it feels like a step backwards.
0: Andy's an innovator. He likes to keep his offense moving forward. So I'm really interested to see... When he goes back to the drawing board after this, what, what he comes up with next? What changes does he make to stay one step ahead of the rest of the league? You know, everybody's had a few years of Mahomes now. They know what to look for. They know some things that can work against the Chiefs, few as they are. It's just going be interesting to see if Andy cooks up a few more, maybe not just wrinkles, but like some just different evolution of this offense to, to throw everybody off again.
1: Well, it's possible. I mean, Andy always does different stuff. They always have some. They're, they're always fun to watch the first month of the year because they come out with a handful of things. You're just like, oh my god, like where, what? What are they? Doing? I mean, last year Mahomes was in motion as he was catching snaps. Right. They're just they're crazy with that kind of stuff. More, and if you're if you're just a Chiefs fan who just watches the Chiefs games, that's obviously fine. But as someone who watches the uh, the rest of the league. I will tell you, watching the Chiefs is so much fun compared like, – not even because I'm a Chiefs fan, but just the rest of the league because, man, the rest of the league, a lot of these teams are so boring in the way they play. And the, watching the Chiefs, it's like watching a different sport. I mean, there's guys <laughs> right. moving all over the place, different things, different motions, and it's, it's so wild. And then you'll turn on, like, I don't know, a Minnesota game, and it's just pounded in there twice with Alvin Cook, play action with Kirk. Going to throw yep. a bubble screen. He's doing the Chiefs on, and Mahomes is running and catching the snap and twirling around and throwing. You know, like it's <laughs> it, it, it really it's you know you don't how many you know many teams would have had the guts or the ability to call and then execute Rose Bowl right parade on fourth and one in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean that's a play that teams don't even run in in preseason because they feel, oh, this is it's gimmicky. It's not going to work. In the biggest call of Andy Reid's life to that point, they're like, you know what, we're going to do? We're going to have four guys spin around, snap it to the back, and then have them just hand it up in there. And it worked. Like, yeah. it's, they're so different. But you know, I think that is true. And I will, I'll, I'll kind of um, leave my thoughts at this on all this stuff. A closing thought, if you will. I have said on the pod before, and I, I'm going to say it again today because of the events of today. Um, I would not be surprised if the Chiefs go scorched earth in free agency this year. And I said that way back when they were way over the cap. It's just a feeling. I could be wrong. It's not an insider thing. It's just a gut. I just wonder with the Chiefs if they're going to open up a lot of space over the next couple of days, and then as they have to moving forward. And they just say, we're going to sign a lot of guys, so a bunch of one-year deals, but we're going to go out, we're going to get another receiver, we're going to get another edge rusher. We're going to get a corner. We're going to bring in a tackle and a guard. And we're just going to load up and maybe a couple of those guys are on multi-year deals so we can push the money into 2022. The rest of these guys are going to be on one-year incentive-laden deals. Much like what the Pats did when they beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, and then they came back and they signed like Stephon Gilmore and Rex Burkhead and, and Dwayne Allen and, and, and Brandon, and they traded for Brandon Cooks. And they just went crazy. And that was the year that everybody was like, my God, they might go 16-0. And then the Chiefs went in there week one and hammered them. That was that year. And then the Pats still went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Eagles. Like, I, I, just, I, I just wonder if the Chiefs just look at this thing and go, you know what? Kelsey's at the peak of his powers, but he's 31. Like, you know, maybe this is the time. Like maybe this is the time to, you know, before we get to maybe, you know, we might lose the enemy after this year. We might have some things happen where, you know, hey, does Hitchens come back after this year? Certain things again, it's a total gut feeling. I just I I I just wonder if the Chiefs are gonna be a lot more aggressive in free agency than people expect at a multitude of
0: positions. It's a competitive sport competitive people work in the sport you know if you don't think brett Veach is pissed off and you know wants to wants to make sure that they're back hoisting that lombardi next year you got another thing coming the work in the nfl you don't get a lot of people resting on their laurels no we're good we won the afc two years in a row we got a super bowl like back-to-back super bowl appearances that's not good enough they want to win it all every single year they want to win every single game they want to win the coin toss they, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's I mean, You don't get to that level if you don't think that way.
1: This this is a brutal business. I tweeted this out a little while ago. You, like Fisher and Schwartz, a lot of people are shocked. Devin White's getting off jokes on Twitter about it. Did they cut these guys and whatever? Look, the reality is, you know who makes moves like this? Who made moves like this for 20 years? Yep. The Patriots. Bill Belichick would cut guys. What did they just do? Who did they cut? Oh, that's the end. Because he believed in his ability to replace them. And sometimes Bill Belichick was right, and sometimes he was wrong. But he had Tom Brady, and he had himself, and they had a core of seven or eight guys who they revolved the team around. I mean, they did this all the time. They would cut Lawyer Malloy and and let Ty Law walk, and they would – let Logan Mankins walk and they would trade Richard Seymour and they would trade Mike Ripley, and people would go insane. And then they turn around and they'd win 13 games because you know what they did? They drafted and they developed and they signed guys shrewdly in free agency and they, they would trade for a disgruntled player who they thought they could get to work in their scheme and in their system. People forget this. They traded a pick a, a day two pick for Wes Welker. They traded a fourth-round pick for Randy Moss. Like they, just, they rebuilt and reloaded over and over and over because they drafted guys like Edelman late, and they drafted Will Fork, and they, dra- and they would just build and build and build and build and build. The Chiefs moved on a year early from Fisher and Schwartz because they're worried about the injuries, and they probably feel like, look, this is the last year anyway. We might be able to get younger and get better and get cheaper and we're willing to take that uh, that risk. And it might blow up in their face. It could. They could draft a kid who's a bust and it doesn't work out. And the Yang gets hurt again. And, and Duvernay Tardiff's just not the same guy. I mean, that is all possible. It's also possible that Schwartz retires and Fisher can't play this year. And the Chiefs draft a stud left tackle. And all of a sudden, you're in week six and you're like, man, this is the best line they've had since the, the, the 2003 group. I mean, I, I don't know that that will happen. the the pats did this forever when you hold on to guys you get old and you get expensive and then you put yourself in a lot of trouble
0: i think the Chiefs did the right thing even if it's a scary thing i agree a hundred percent it's very exciting and hopefully they can continue to make the right bets and we'll see a, a very a very patriot like Ten years here where Brett Veach is, is pulling the strings and making the right moves for the most part. He's got Andy Reid. He's got Patrick Mahomes. That's what matters. So if he gets these most of these personnel things right and most of these contract things right, the Chiefs are going to be winning a lot of games over the next 10-plus years. I'm going to read two quick reviews, and then we're going to get out of here. This one comes from Matt Matto, Matto Drums. Uh, top 10 cheese Pod. Uh, tell us what we got to do to get to top five. Maybe it's in the review here. I definitely appreciate all the work that goes into these podcasts. A lot of great content. Matt V and Matt C are solid anchors. However, would you please keep the off topic food stuff to the end of the podcast? While the team uh, has the old nickname, the chefs, it may increase interaction about candy and kids cereal. That's probably not what most of us come here to listen to. Fair point. Fair point. Listen, we understand it's the off season there are going to be some lean weeks here and we're going to have to lead with the sweet stuff probably um but when there's a day like today where we've got lots of cheese news to talk about you know we'll have to we'll have to put the stuff towards the end so to to totally hear you i will say last night my wife and i went out to dinner we sat in one of those igloos we had like a private thing on the lake here and uh i got a a brownie Sunday at the end of the, the end of the fantastic huge win brownies brownies and ice cream underrated combo need more of it in everyone's lives. Um, and the last one here, uh, I'm just going to read great analysis. This was from Bronson R. Uh, he says, I can't wait for Thursdays because of this podcast. The insight and analysis are excellent from both hosts. Keep up the great work. Uh, and then he wanted to, he he has a he had a question that was a little bit out of date now because of, of what happened today, but he just wanted to know, you know, is it, is, it, is it crazy to draft a solid left tackle like Liam Eichenberg and draft and, and extend Eric Fisher and then he was saying, you know, Fisher take like guard money, and we kick him inside, maybe right. stuff and like it wasn't that. It was a left crazy guard. thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it really wasn't. Um, and by the way, no, it would not be crazy to have left tackle at this point. Um, but no, I think you know they're, they're going to have some flexibility. And you know, he mentions in this question with Niang being available on the right side. I mean, um, yeah, I think I think Niang going to start on the right side. Um, I think that would if he, if he doesn't, I think then you have an issue there. Um, and real quick here, just to, to make sure we're hitting on everybody with three other reviews, uh, this week from Casey chiefs, 10 star podcast. Thank you so much. Wish you could leave 10 stars. That'd be great. Uh, never miss a podcast. You guys are truly the best by the way, loving the new podcast with Connor and Sterling. That's awesome. So are we, they do a great job, excellent chiefs content and lots of fun to listen to. You guys are a 10 star group. Now let's talk candy. And of course you may remember last pod I asked "Hey, give us your best easter passover candy i mean what do you got um and we went through ours and i asked also thoughts on peeps right so keep that in mind and this person says my easter faves reese's chocolate peanut butter eggs absolutely the goat the cadbury egg and my top go-to russell stover dark chocolate marshmallow eggs that's under the radar i like that
0: those are good those are good
1: my easter hate peeps I think they're absolutely disgusting. Thank you for all the time and hard work you guys put in every week for the pod. This person and I are totally aligned. I totally agree. Love Reese's chocolate peanut butter eggs. Love the Cadbury eggs. And at Peeps, I know Patrick, you and I disagree. Uh, throw them all in the trash. Um, <laughs> then we have uh, one from Alex Burgos, who's a, a great guy, uh, follows me on Twitter. We've had many interactions. Uh, he says, I listen to you guys all the time. Vert around those. I do. Uh, this podcast, and the Yahoo NFL podcast are slash were my favorites. Not a fan of chocolate. And man, man is, uh, nobody's perfect. More of a Mexican candy. My fan myself. Keep up the great work guys. Thank you. Um, always love talking to Alex. We talk all the time on, on Twitter. Um, Alex is a great example. Someone who we've talked many times we are actually, we, we started talking because we're incredibly different politically,
0: but that's right. Yeah.
1: Found common ground. And it's, It's proof. That you can be different politically and not absolutely hate each other's guts. Okay. So, um, my my friendship with Alex is proof of that. And then one more from our guy, Clinton Blake McKenzie, who is uh, a diehard and listens and comments all the time. Says sugar overload. If you're reading this, you may or may not know that host R. Patrick Allen. And Matt Verner are the absolute best in the business at giving you everything you need to know about the Chiefs and doing so in a supremely entertaining way. I don't miss the podcast ever. You shouldn't either. Really, we should hire Clint for PR. Yeah, we um, really should. We really should. On to business, peeps aren't fit for your trash can. See, again, totally agree. And all peanut butter, anything, much less than all Reese's peanut butter, anything is a gift from God. Hollow chocolate Easter bunnies are my pet peeve. How dare you attempt to sell me an Easter bunny shaped vessel full of air? Yep. I know the vessel is crafted of chocolate. That's wonderful. You really believe I want less chocolate, and more <laughs> air. Get out of here with that. That is, but that yeah. is hilarious. It is and I, so I on the money. We agree. That is awesome. Uh, Cadbury eggs are just fine, but I could easily live the remainder of my life without eating one. Okay. Again, nobody's perfect. Clint yep. Reese's eggs are the absolutely, or excuse me, Reese's eggs are the only absolute requirement for Easter candy. All else is optional. Enough said. Thanks guys. Um, so thank you, everyone, for leaving reviews. And, and Clint, a shout-out to you especially, man, because you, you do it all the time. You're always hitting me up on Twitter. always appreciate chatting, chopping it up. I will leave with this because this happened to me. You mentioned your food thing. I went to Walgreens the other day to just pick up a few things. A Girl Scout troop outside selling cookies. Oh, yeah. and I And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it, and I'm like, I don't have cash, so I can't do it. And as I'm walking by one of the, the mothers of one of the Girl Scouts, it's like, oh, by the way, everyone, like, we take credit cards. I just immediately oh, no. turned around. I was like, all right,
0: <laughs> I oh, was man. like,
1: let's do this. Um, I got two boxes. Uh, I got uh, tag and longs for myself to so the chocolate peanut butter cookies, and then I got uh, the s'mores. My wife loves s'mores to death. So, my, first of all, they're somehow still surviving in the house, although dwindling. Um, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And I'm also asking this both of you, Patrick, and of the crowd. Listen, you're still with us, you're still out there, and you're hearing this. This is this is the comment of the week. Leave a rating, leave a review. Tell us what is what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And what's the Girl Scout cookie that you think is is one they should replace? I will say tag are my favorite, obviously chocolate peanut butter. I'm sure big, big shock. I, I think the shortbread cookie, just a waste of time. I can get a shortbread cookie anytime, fine cookie. I can get it whenever. Give yeah. me something else. So that's that's where I stand. I want your thoughts and thoughts in the masses.
0: I, I'm I'm ahead. I'm right with you on this Girl Scout thing. Shortbread cookies. All right, get out of here. Whatever, fine. Like it's this when you're looking at the when you're looking at the offerings from from the Girl Scouts and you've got thin mints and tagalongs. Like who's buying the short? Who's like you know what? A serial killer. Yeah, like now. If the, now listen. Don't get me wrong. If that girl's got standing out there and all she's got left are the shortbread cookies, I'm buying a box. It is right? what it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you know, support the organization um, and, and support sugar. But like tagalongs, I, I, they're they're just they're so absolutely incredible. The the amount of peanut butter that they put in there is great, and then you got that that there's that crunchy part you can kind of like bite down, you know, you get through the peanut butter and then you get that crunchy. Po- oh God. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It reminds me a little bit of a, the texture you get when you take the top off an Oreo and you're eating, the, you're eating the, the cream first. Um, absolutely incredible. Love some Girl Scout cookies. I, I, am excited for Visa or MasterCard or whoever your creditors are, because they probably just financed a new private jet for the executives. Yeah, That's great. Bad for you, but great for them. Um, Yeah, it, let us know your Girl Scout cookie go-tos. Are you one of these people that put? You know, there's some things people do. They put the thin mints in the freezer. Like that's a whole I other got thing. A box
1: of thin mints. I would have put them in the freezer. Yes. Yeah. I never yeah. did that, and then I did it like a handful of years ago because I'd seen so many people talk about it, and then I just immediately was like, "This is the right decision long term."
0: Can you believe the Girl Scouts are taking credit cards now?
1: A capitalism, if, man! <laughs> it's just... If 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 the Girl Scout. I don't know what it is association or whatever whatever it is. Um if if they were in charge of the country's finances, we'd balance the budget in like an hour. Okay? Yeah, I firmly believe that. There's no I won't stop for anybody asking me for my money. Girl Scout they they right. didn't even speak. Like I would yeah. I would have gone over a wall to get to the Girl Scout cookies.
0: Yeah. You, you well, walk out there, the people are asking for, you know, money and and for all kinds of different worthy causes, walk you blow right on by them. You see that yeah. you see that 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 eight-year-old girl out there with her mom and dad and a box of Thin Mints. And, it's and happening. You're going into the ATM if you have to.
1: I'll tell you right now, I will not. You know, my daughter's three and a half. Okay, Maisie, I will not make her do anything in life. Whatever she wants to play sports, cool. I'll support her, but I'm not gonna like you know foist it on her. Whatever she wants to do, I'll support her. She will be a Girl Scout. Day, that will happen. Like if you need one access
0: day, wholesale.
1: That's right. That's right. And, wholesale. And in prices. our business, you know the kind of business that I can get Maisie to do as far as selling cookies. because There's always those prizes they give out, right? Like if you sell yeah. the most, I'll just call people in the NFL and be like, yeah. "Hey, you want you want a pallet for the team? Right. Right. Because we can make it happen. Like, yeah. I'm I'm all in. Like I I remember when I was a God, it was something for for school wasn't it i wasn't the boy scouts but it wasn't for that it was something in school and we had to sell and it was something like if you sold like a thousand dollars worth now i grew up in a very small town so it was essentially impossible it was, it was, it was like can't oh it's candy bars it was candy bars if i sold a thousand dollars worth i got like oh god like a i think it was like a stand-up basketball hoop like for your driveway like a but like a real like a 10-foot one yeah and, and I was like, "Well, there's no way. Like, I maybe could sell hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars." And my nana worked at a huge bank in in New York City, and it was like, "Listen, just send them. Like, just drive them down, and give them to me. I'll, I'll."
0: Do. She sold a thousand dollars in like two days. You're one <laughs> of those kids. There was always some kid right, in my class whose dad worked down at the GM plant, right? That's right. And he would take that down there and set it up, and they, oh, I got the, I got a, you know, a Sega Genesis. You know, and, and they did nothing. Meanwhile, <laughs> right. I'm going around to the to the five neighbors that my parents weren't creeped out by that would, they would let me go knock on the door. And I'm coming back with $35 in sales of uh, the, those antique popcorn tins, you know. Uh, always, always pissed me off. Always thought it was unfair that those people had that. You know, you, I don't know if you've ever seen like the GM plant in Lordstown. It's not a, it's not a GM plant anymore, unfortunately, but they're, they're gonna make electric uh, trucks. Uh, check them out. You can invest into the company. It's a ride on the on the ticker, Lordstown Plant. Uh, these trucks look cool. Uh, it's like it's like city blocks. It's a massive, massive operation. So they just they cashed in. God bless them. Um, not me, man. I ended up with. Uh, <laughs> I think all I ever had enough to win was like my own, t- t- you know, antique can of popcorn. Like that's all I would ever get yeah. from these things. Um, all right, we appreciate you guys listening so much. Big news! We'll be back next week. Uh, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes will be here on Sunday night with their reaction. I'm sure to everything that's been going on with the Chiefs. And we're are we are we recording on the first day of the new league year?
1: Second, but keep an eye Second. out for bonus pods, emergency yeah. pods, because if the Chiefs right. do something big, we'll we'll be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it
1: may not be an hour, maybe 20 minutes, a half hour, but we will. We will be here. If the cheese squad is like Trent Williams, we'll jump on.
0: Yeah, oh. maybe all four of us off on. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. On. Thank you for your reviews. Let us know about your favorite Girl Scout cookies. You can find us on all the places you get your podcasts. We're especially on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music, Google Play Store, all that stuff. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Chiefs.